that is a good example of a nuanced area. Like some of them undoubtedly need to be pulled down. Mm. <laughs> some of them are just yep. <laughs> like the King Leopold ones are, I, that are all over yeah. Belgium. So there's nothing good to say about King Leopold. <laughs> no. <laughs> so why is it? Why are there statues in everywhere? Just take them down. But then there are other ones that are obviously a little bit more grey, aren't they? Or green if they're made out of copper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of the Soviet statue garden, which all the former Soviet yeah. republics have, where they take all of the statues and the road signs yeah. and things like this, and they put them in a park with signs that say, "This is why the statue was built, and this is why it's now in here." Yeah. And I think that's the way it should be done. It should be presented in isolation so that these people are no longer being celebrated as public figures yep. or used to ollie off by skateboarders, yep. but but can be put in a place where if you want to go and learn about that area of history, it's there and it's available, but it's not staring you down as you walk to work every day. It's not being celebrated. That's my opinion. I, no, I completely agree with you. For example, the, the Bristol statue, just take it down and put it in a museum, but don't celebrate them. No, you can celebrate it in the museum gift shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With your Colston ice cube maker, dunk him in your G and T. Right, should we do? Should we do a podcast yes, off the back of that? It. That's going to be fun to try and condense into three minutes of jollity at the start of the episode. <laughs> Put it at the end. <laughs> Might have to pick a highlight from somewhere in the middle. The ten minute bonus edition. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> Hello and welcome to that was genius, the little history podcast, which tries to stay unpolitical, but sometimes it's very difficult. In which Tom and which now means I have to use some of that intro. Shit. Let me try that again. In, which, in, which, in a way in which I don't. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom and Sam, two friends on, used to be different sides of the world, now different sides of the political spectrum. Shit, not again. Discuss history topics on a theme each week. We decide the topic the week in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And what's our topic this week, Tom? Uh, political advisors. So there is a political edge to this whole episode. Or right-hand men, wasn't it? it was yeah, a- yeah, yeah. Right-hand man, advisors, yeah, that sort of thing. And uh, this was inspired by, and again, Sam and I try and avoid being too topical with these episodes, so it was inspired by a, a British political advisor a few weeks ago being a complete dick, living by the motto, one rule for you, another rule for us. And there are quite a lot of examples, aren't there, Sam? This is, there certainly you know, are. There's a, this is a rich mine of uh, potential topics. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a, there were a lot of opportunities here. There were a lot of topics that you could have chosen under the umbrella topic of right-hand men. Yes, including possibly, uh, if you wanted to be a little bit controversial, left-handed men. Yes. Well, that's actually quite a good topic. Yes. That would be a good topic, left-handed people. It's niche. <laughs> yeah, I quite like that. Because left-handed people have been persecuted at points during history, haven't they? They have. Victorian schooling yeah. systems. <laughs> Well, do you know what? When I was a kid, which was in the 1980s, early 90s, my primary school, because I'm left-handed, my primary school sellotaped the knife and fork into my hands right-handed so that I couldn't swap them over. (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, I eat right-handed, and badly. Is that right? So so you'd have your your fork in your right hand, knife in your left hand? Yes, and... uh, uh, So the fork requires more... Dexterity, does it? If I was eating left-handed, it would be uh, fork in right, knife in left, because you need the strength to push down on the knife. Right, you need you need power. Yeah. Strong, what what are you eating? Breeze blocks. <laughs> I'm just not very good at cooking steak. <laughs> very very well done. <laughs> Great. 
I think left-handed people could be a good topic. <laughs> and I, I think I suggested this one, didn't I? Because of Piers Gaveston. Mm. He, he had the ear of the rather mediocre English king Edward II, who was preceded by Edward I, who was fantastic. Well, fan- successful. I, pr- fantastic is probably not the right word. <laughs> Scotland, Scotland would like a word. <laughs> <laughs> so would Wales. Yeah. And then Edward III. Wales doesn't get a word. It's a principality. Yeah. <laughs> And Edward, yeah, Edward the Third was very successful as well, but poor old Edward the Second was a bit naff. And Gaveston was exceptionally unpopular with English nobles due to his perceived influence over Edward the Second. And there were even rumours that the two were lovers, but that's probably just to discredit the two of them. They sat. I think yes. they were probably more like just private school wallies that had known each other since childhood and uh, still liked to frolic around in their mid twenties. Oh, I thought you were going to say frolic around in their underwear. In the <laughs> yeah, well, this was, yeah, this was the Middle Ages, so underwear probably wasn't that kinky. It was probably long johns and or or clean. Or... <laughs> Verily, Sarah, I only had my bath a month ago. <laughs> Get them while they're fresh. <laughs> right. So anyway, how did you find this week, Tom? <laughs> Great, very good. I found a topic that's quite, quite fun, not outrageously funny. So it's not laugh out loud funny, but it is quite fun. So that's what I got for you. Yeah. And by laugh out loud funny for our regular listeners, that usually means outrageously stupid, vulgar, or involving French people. Yes. <laughs> so we're not the, we haven't got the most subtle sense of humour. You don't really need to qualify vulgar and outrageously stupid with and French people. It's <laughs> <laughs> You're implying they're all vulgar and, <laughs> and stupid. And stupid. I had lofty ambitions this week. I found the topic I'm talking about. I found really quickly, and then I was like, "Okay, well, this is a good. It's a good story. It's it's a classic. That was genius story from Sam, which is inherently a little bit silly and a little bit funny, but quite interesting and kind of writes itself." And then I discovered a, a Chinese dude who's just the most fascinating man I've ever read about. He's uh, the principal character in one of the great Chinese epic novels, which is semi-historical. And it's 800,000 words long wow. and has 1,000 named characters. Wow. It's like, it's nearly, it's nearly half the length of Lord of the Rings. And Not going to happen in a week. It was just way, way, way too much to read. But I am going to keep on reading about him. And hopefully once I've kind of, once I've read everything, I'm then going to be in a position to condense it down. Yeah. Because I really want to talk about him. He's absolutely amazing. He just, he invented and wrote and did so much. He's that, he's that almost mythical, stereotypical Chinese Japanese sage. Bam! Mythical, stereotypical. Even got some beats. Even got some beats for you. Your rhymes. Yeah, that sounded like a Jamiroquai song, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's uh, mythical and spiritual, transcendental, and uh, and he wears a stupid hat. He's got canned heat in his heels tonight. Indeed. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about him one day, but not today. Today I'm doing a uh, cross-dressing pirates. Today. Nice. My favourite going out outfit. <laughs> I almost went Chinese as well because I started looking. <laughs> and then your wife warned you that that is racist. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so you just went as Einstein for Halloween <laughs> for, for your kid's birthday party. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's quite all right. <laughs> Too easy. Too um, easy. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I almost went Chinese. <laughs> You're still giggling at your own joke. I'm a funny man, Tom. I'm a funny man. I'm just picturing you doing that scene from Father Ted where he puts a lampshade on his head. And uh, he looks out the window and there's a Chinese family watching him through the window. And he walks out of the house and the neighbour looks over and he shouts, Father, 
I hear you're a racist now, Father. <laughs> Is that something from the church? Because I'm going to struggle with the old racism now because the farm takes up quite a lot of me time. <laughs> and then the mad lady turns up, doesn't she? Come <laughs> on, you father! <laughs> Take it to him, Father! That's, it, that's the episode, isn't it, with the square bit of dirt in the window? But it, that is yes. there all episodes simply for the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> to give Father Ted a Hitler moustache uh, when he stands out <laughs> at the window. That's the only reason it's there. Wonderfully odd. No, I almost went Chinese. I wanted to do a different <laughs> period and geographical location for my history because I just generally fall back on Plutarch in classics or medieval English history. And I wanted to vary it. And did you come across Mirrors for Princes? in your research no no it's, it's a whole genre of historical documents and there are lots of them from a diverse range of places and periods mirrors for princes sounds like a tears for fears album yeah. or a tears for fears tribute band all around me <laughs> lots of princes lots of princes lots of princes and artists formerly known as princes. As princes. <laughs> formerly known, known as princes. As princes. <laughs> and, uh, You've got a very squeaky giggle tonight, Sam. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm very, I'm very excited. It's been a very long. It's been a very long like day. Like a balloon. We've been pram shopping. Oh wow! Absolute hell. Absolute hell. Well, but, <laughs> I've got various pictures in my mind. The first is of you being pushed around in a pram by your wife. You have to you have to road test them, Tom. <laughs> road road and load test, yeah. Oh dear. Very disappointing. I had lofty images in my head of a uh, of a pram shop in which dads were catered for. In uh, you know, what so you it was mean? like, like a gaming area, a basketball no, court. No, no, Tom. No, no, no. I mean a racetrack painted on the oh, floor right. so that you can time trial the prams. <laughs> oh yeah, nice action that. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Through the cones, very nice, whole, very nice. Whole section of clip-on, go faster, <laughs> spoilers, and various yeah. other various other ways. <laughs> and a Dixie air horns. Have you gone? Are you going for like an outdoorsy one that you can go jogging with? Of course we are. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you going to get like thick wheels for for multiple multi-terrain, or are you going to go? Absolutely. Well, that's the other thing I was very disappointed. I was hoping that there'd be like, you know, when you go into an outdoor shop to buy walking yeah. boots, if you're that way inclined, and there's that little like fake bridge they've made out of oh, rocks yes. so you can simulate oh, yes. going across a, a giant hill. And you never know what you're looking for because all walking boots are horrendously uncomfortable when you first put them on. So you walk to the top of the tiny bridge, which looks like it should be over a koi pond, but it's covered in uh, jagged rocks. And you say, hmm, very comfortable. Yes, very supportive. And then you go down and buy them in absolute agony <laughs> and just hope and pray that they improve. Uh, I was hoping for one of those with a pram. It sounds a little bit like you at a restaurant ordering wine. Yes, very <laughs> tasty. Yes. It would have been a lot simpler if I'd done it like I go into the restaurant with wine. I will have your second cheapest pram, please. <laughs> I will have the house pram. <laughs> I'll have the dregs pram. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I've I've seen people out running with very very streamlined children's oh, buggies, God, yeah. you know, with almost like road cycle wheels. Mm, very, yeah, disc wheels. Yeah, yeah. God forbid you, you know. <laughs> it's like push, pushing the pram is me- you're not going to get any PBs, are you? When you're pushing no. the pram. Although I suspect what you may have been seeing, Tom, was uh, <laughs> someone in Paralympic training on a recumbent bike. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a child. It was a Paralympian. <laughs> 
Uh, that is the only politically incorrect joke that's making it into this podcast today. <laughs> oh, Peloton. Sorry, that uh, is awful, isn't it? <laughs> as I drive past, a bit far from the nursery, in you? Hi, hi. Day trip, is it to the library? <laughs> Oi, sing the Dora the Explorer theme tune. <laughs> We're moving on to history. Oh, are we? Okay. You go first, Tom. Me? Okay, I'm going first then. I'm talking about a chap called Raja Burble. Ah. You heard of Raja? Old Raja Burble? I haven't heard of Raja Burble. I've heard of Roger Buble, the, the posh middle class version. <laughs> Michael Buble's younger brother, Roger. Roger Buble. <laughs> yes. Rogering Buble? No, it doesn't really work, does it? No. <laughs> Worth a shot. Just to give you something more to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Something more to throw on the edit pile. <laughs> yes, I have to say, yeah, the cutting room floor is going to look like a fucking snow globe <laughs> gonna by the end of this you're episode. It's going to be warm this weekend in your house. <laughs> yeah. Burning all the cuttings. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Do we have any Indian listeners? We do, a small number. Yeah. A small number, excellent. So they they probably have heard of Raja Burble. My understanding is he's uh, very well known on the Indian subcontinent, and apparently the stories that involve him are very popular kid stories. And I actually spotted a Netflix oh. cartoon based on, on Raja Burble. 39 downloads in India. 39 downloads in India, wonderful. There you go. Yes. Um, so those Indian listeners might well um, know who I'm talking about. Hi-lo to all of our Indian listeners. What is hi? Which is hello <laughs> in Hindi. Excellent. Um, for a country yeah. that has how many national languages? 2,000 languages. 2,000 possibly. Yeah, ridiculous, isn't it? Amazing. Anyway, let me introduce, before we talk about Raja Burble, let me introduce Akbar the Great, the third Mughal emperor. Nice. Who reigned from 1556 to 1605. So, yes, for those listeners who might not know too much about the Mughal emperor, uh, Mughal, Mughal empire, um, it was a very large empire that controlled at its height the majority of the Indian subcontinent. The empire lasted for about 300 years, eventually being knocked on the head by some good old British imperialism. God bless. God bless. God bless. They're ruling more than just the bloody waves. Yes, yes. Exactly. The first Mughal emperor... Babur claimed descent from Genghis Khan and Tamerlane, or Timur, depending on what you want to call him, yeah. both famous Mongol rulers. And from what I could make out, he was basically a noble brat who wanted an empire. So he wandered around for a bit, got involved in a few scraps where he came out on the losing side, eventually found himself in the north of one-day India and managed to construct himself an empire there. So it's a bit of a, Daddy, 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 I want an empire. Why can't I have an empire like everybody else? You know, do you know who I am? I'm descended from Genghis Khan. The word <laughs> Mughal is actually derived from Mongol. Mughal, Mongol. Yeah. Ah. Um, interesting. Very interesting. And Akbar was uh, a sexful... Uh, <laughs> sexful? He was a sexful emperor. <laughs> was a sex, was a sex <laughs> pest. <laughs> well, it's probably not far from the truth. Well... <laughs> Um, Akbar, with his, all his, yeah, Akbar was sexful. Excellent. <laughs> full of it. Akbar was a successful emperor um, who surrounded himself with good advisors or members of his Navaratna, which translates as nine gems or nine jewels. And yes, there were nine advisors. Burbal, Raja Burbal, was one of these advisors, and he was known for his quick wit, cunning, and ability to outsmart people. Much like us, Sam. Yes. Doctor, doctor, I've got a bit of lettuce poking out my bum. Oh, I'm afraid that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> that's, that's a wonderful joke, completely out of context. <laughs> <laughs> what 
what was that possibly related that to? Was a, nothing. I just thought I'd throw it in. Uh, but <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, that's the problem, Tom. They throw in quite easily. It's getting them out again. That's a problem. <laughs> what are some of my other favourite jokes? I like... I've probably told you most of these, haven't I? You probably have. I like it when you do your history story. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't learned any new good jokes recently. Burble became Akbar's closest advisor, and subsequently he garnered much antipathy and jealousy from the other prominent members of Akbar's court. It probably didn't help that he was Hindu also, surrounded by Muslims. And interestingly, mm. Emperor Akbar tried to start his own religion during his reign, as a bit of an aside, because um, he was deeply ah. interested in spiritual matters. I think I read somewhere that he had what was probably an epileptic fit at one point during his life, came out of that epileptic fit with a sort of new view on life. And um, I think he tried to merge some elements of Hinduism and some elements of Islam into this new religion, but it didn't really take off. But he was, he sounds like he was very interested in spiritual matters. He even tried to bring together leaders of the multitude of religions present in his empire to discuss religious matters together, presumably with an open mind, only to find predictably that they just ended up shouting at each other. (laughs) (laughs) What? Would you believe it? You get all the leaders of religion together and they don't like each other. I know, you get people with strong-held beliefs. Strong-held beliefs, the pillar of which is the doubting of all other beliefs. Yeah, all the, quite worse than that, and the fact that you're probably not going to get to heaven. Yes. But eternal damnation is there for you if you don't do what you're told. <laughs> yes, so that's the, the background bit. Now on to the slightly more fun stuff. And as I've... I think I've, I think I've mentioned in this podcast before that my great-great great-grandfather I think possibly great-great-great-uncle started his own religion which still exists in India yeah I think he did, yeah, I think he did tell me that I, I think I've mentioned yeah. this on this podcast haven't I yeah, cult yeah what, are the, what are the main pillars of, of that religion they worship trains a <laughs> painting <laughs> shut up they, <laughs> they worship a picture bloody heretics <laughs> <laughs> they worship a picture they do they do worship a picture of um, Indian version of the Madonna right and no, I'm not, not going to say the Madonna big boobies in an Indian, Indian accent. I'm you. not going to say it. <laughs> Go on, you say it. I'll edit no, it out. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm, I'm. That's me trying to repress it, <laughs> keeping it <Wow>. down. <laughs> if that's what your repressing sounds like, I'm not entirely sure. I know what to know what your expression sounds like. <laughs> no, I'm not going. I'm not rising to the bait. So there are lots of lots of folk stories involving Akbar and Burbal that came out of this strong relationship of theirs, and um, I think I researched they're about possibly about 300 years old. They're still very very popular today, and they're basically just little fun, innocent, not very rude. Um, sorry, listeners. Sort of fun fable Uh, stories, but I think they're quite witty. They are quite cool. So let's go through a few of these. I've got quite a lot of them, Sam, because I thought what we'd do is we'd just go through a load and you can edit out the crap ones. Oh, good. Well, you've not given me much to edit yet this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Here's the first. Supposed to be spending some time with the family this weekend. (laughs) Buggy racing, finding the steepest hill in the neighbourhood. We live on it. It's going to be a trial of the handbrake (laughs) and the (laughs) calves. Yeah. Yeah, I've got calves like a Victoria's Secret model, i.e. not. <laughs> so, so. Is that right? <laughs> Always struggle with calves. Don't a lot of, a lot of um, not that you're a bodybuilder, but, you know, people who, who like to hit the gym. 
So here's one of the first stories that I thought was quite good, and I did cut out a lot of the rather mediocre ones. A stranger stopped Burble in the street and began regaling him with stories of mis- of his miserable life and all of his difficulties. By the way, have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> the stranger then said that he'd walked 20 miles to see Burble, and everyone he met on the way had said that Burble was the most generous man in the world. The stranger predictably then asked for money. Burble responded by asking him to piss off back from whence he came, t- telling everyone he encounters <laughs> that Burble isn't the most generous man in the world. <laughs> not, not necessarily the most witty thing Burble um, says in any of these folktales. But I can see why he felt a connection to this man. <laughs> <laughs> Do yes, Fuck you off, you pauper. On another occasion, Burble finds himself at the court of the Persian king. He has a lovely time. When he's about to leave, he's asked by the courtiers how the Persian king compares to his king. Burble says that the Persian king is like a full moon, whereas Akbar is like a quarter moon. And the Persians are delighted, and when Burble returns, Akbar isn't. He's very annoyed. Burble then explains the full moon is about to fade, whereas a quarter moon is growing stronger. There you go. Yeah. Clever, eh? Clever Burble. Akbar, here's another one, Akbar asks his courtiers what they think a suitable punishment would be for someone who pulls his moustache. <laughs> Rather strange thing to ask your uh, courtiers. Fart in his face. Today, today I would like you to tell me what you think a suitable punishment would be for someone who pulls my moustache. <laughs> <laughs> you said... And, and what would be a suitable punishment for someone who tickles my bottom? <laughs> Come on, what do you think it is? Come on, explain yourself. <laughs> so one of them says flogging, another says hanging, and a third says beheading. Burble, the clever little cad that he is, then pipes up and says, A, little a sweet, Akbar, a sweet. Everyone looks very confused, and then Burble explains that only Akbar's grandson would dare do such a thing. <laughs> here's another one I think you'll probably quite like this one Sam I've made a few small changes to the to the original story one day Akbar and Burble were riding through the countryside and they happened to pass by a cabbage patch that's part of the original story cabbages are so yummy said Akbar I just love (laughs) is he German I love a good cabbage (laughs) the cabbage (laughs) The cabbage is the king. <laughs> See Samuel L. Jackson. I just love a good cabbage. <laughs> Do you cabbage? You know what they call a cabbage in Europe? A sauerkraut. <laughs> that is a tasty cabbage. Mm. The cabbage is the king of vegetables, said Burble. A few weeks later, they were riding past the cabbage patch again. Akbar isn't so impressed anymore. I used to love cabbage, but now they make me fart like a trooper. I did that bit myself. <laughs> the cabbage is a tasteless, horrible vegetable, agreed Burble. The emperor was astonished. But the last time we were here, you said it was the king of vegetables. Yes, admitted Burble, but I'm your servant, your majesty, not the cabbages. <laughs> 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 I like I like that. Now here's one about a mango tree that I included just because it's similar to the story The Judgment of Solomon from the Book of Kings from both the Hebrew and the Christian Bibles. Yeah. And it's one about a mango tree. Two men dispute ownership of it. Burble tells both that the tree will be split down the middle and shared both ways. One man gets upset and asks for the tree to be given to the other man whole rather than have it destroyed and Burble uses this trick to ascertain that the tree was this man's because he loved it so much he didn't want to see it chopped in half. 
and that is the basic story of the judgment of Solomon. Solomon, except except, except yes. the Bible likes to take things one extra step and turn it into babies. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Emperor Akbar had a dream that he and Birbal knocked into each other in the dark. Akbar fell into a pool of rice pudding. Interpret that one. Birbal <laughs> fell into a gutter. When he recounted the story to the court, they all laughed at Birbal's misfortune in the dream. And Akbar was very pleased to have got one over on the cunning Burble. However, Burble retorted that he too had the same dream, but he slept through to the end of it, unlike Akbar. And at the end, Akbar climbed out of the rice pudding, Burble out of the gutter, and they could not find any water to clean themselves with. Instead, they decided to lick each other clean. Mm, damn that Burble! <laughs> Always uh, getting the better of me! Why I yada? That's a somewhat forced ending to that story isn't it <laughs> so they decided to lick each other clean it sounds like a, a <laughs> lead into a porno doesn't it, <laughs> it did. oh that's that's a narrow interest <laughs> maybe we'll go princely porn <laughs> <laughs> subcategory rice, rice pudding, pudding. <laughs> <laughs> sub subcategory gutter <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. An intellectual came to the court of Akbar and wished to know if Burble was as smart as everyone said he was. He asked Burble if he would like a hundred easy questions or one very difficult one. Burble was in a bit of a rush, so he asked for one very difficult one. What came first? The man said, the chicken or the egg? Burble responded very quickly, the chicken. What makes you so sure? said the intellectual. Burble responds with, that's two questions, so I must be on my way. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> old Burble. Uh, I don't know. What nice. I mean, he's wrong. No. He's obviously wrong, but... Oh, you think it's the egg, do you? Well, dinosaurs had eggs, didn't they? Ah, but did single-cell organisms... Single-cell organisms aren't chickens, so still the egg. Oh, were they dinosaurs? What? <laughs> no, but eggs have existed long before chickens have, haven't they? The question wasn't about dinosaurs. The question was about chickens. It doesn't have to be a chicken's egg. It can be an egg of any description. Oh, I'm not sure that was... In the question there, I think you're reading between the lines a bit too much. You're reading between the lines by assuming it's a chicken's egg. It's never specified. You smell. Oh, shit. <laughs> you can't carry on. <laughs> for if it is possible for someone to be the lowest and the noblest man at the same time, Burble says most definitely, and brings before Akbar this a beggar. <laughs> Akbar points out that the beggar is indeed low, but how is he so noble? Burble points out that he's currently enjoying an audience with the Emperor. <laughs> anyway, back onto real history. Burble eventually died in an ill-fated expedition to quash hostile Yuzufsi tribes on the northwestern border of the Empire. The Mughal forces were ambushed and 8,000 men were killed in this expedition, including Burble. The Yusufzai which basically translates as uh, people of Yusuf, I think, are still a distinct ethnic group in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And can you name the famous person of this ethnicity who went to Edgbaston High School in Birmingham, directly opposite the Birmingham University campus that we attended? Not um, the... Uh, oh, his name's on the edge of my tongue. The cricketer who's now the Prime Minister of Pakistan. Fred Flintoff, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who are you thinking? I, I, what the fuck's his name? Imran, Imran Khan. Khan. Imran Khan, the all-rounder, yes, absolutely. And it wasn't Imran Khan. Uh, much oh, younger than Imran Khan. It's Malala, the youngest ever recipient of a Nobel oh, Peace Prize. she is. I did actually yeah, I know thought, that. I, I did think you had a chance of getting that one. She's the, young, she's the young Pakistani lady who had, for people who don't know, 
a blog on the BBC Urdu website during the Taliban's occupation of the area of Pakistan where she was brought up as a young girl and she survived in an assassination attempt at the hands of the Taliban and is currently studying at Oxford University. She's um, since become um, a vocal advocate of education for all, hasn't she? A good, an all-round good egg. Good egg, absolutely. And I, I, interestingly, Sam, I earned myself six A stars, four A's and one B uh, in my GCSEs. Malala, the fool, only got six A's and four A's. <laughs> Which logically means I should have a Nobel Peace Prize that's just slightly larger than Malala's. Well, Tom, I think you've truly there proven <laughs> that you are the smarty I am pants. Quite the, I'm quite the peace, that peace comedy prize duo. person. What did you get for your GCSEs? Come on, just tell everyone, Sam. I got, what did I get my GCSEs? I got four A stars. <laughs> How's that all? Four A's, two B's and a C. C? What did you get your C in? Art. My <laughs> art teacher lost my final... My art teacher lost my final project and gave me a sympathy grade. <laughs> <laughs> what a bitch. It could have been an A star. <laughs> I don't think it could have been. I made a life-size head of Crichton the robot from Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Spare head three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I did. It was an artistic study of different expressions. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> but I did them as Crichton. Very good. I'd love to have seen that. I did. I carved them out of polystyrene and painted them and everything. And, uh, and she, uh, well, sorry, he lost them. Wow. Lost them. My ass. He's got them on his mantelpiece. They were that good. Well, so they were, they were, no, I don't think they were. <laughs> ah, this, this, the absolute smeek heed. <laughs> our art projects say a lot about us. One of my GCSE pieces of artwork was a clay boot that was supposed to be in the style of a famous artist. And I chose Leo Baxendale, who drew the Bash Street Kids in the Beano. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh dear. Tom, what, what, can you remember what the brand of clay you used was? Because I happen to know that there's a quite popular brand of clay called Das. Is there? Yes, in which case you would have made the Das boot. Yeah, and, and we uh... know that Das is good. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but that's boots. that was a niche reference. Mixing clay, clay making with U-boat programs with U-boat-based dramas, <laughs> which incidentally is brilliant, isn't it? I need to watch that again. Oh, it's a fucking fantastic series. I watched that Absolutely a long time. Amazing I series, it's really good. Is it on Netflix or anything? <laughs> I don't know. Depends on your territory, I guess. Depends on where in the world you live. I'll find that. Uh, last thing I'd like to just say quickly, I actually noticed weirdly, and I just thought this was worth bringing up, that Malala has also been awarded Wonk of the Year for 2017 by an American university. Wonk of the Year. Quote. Yes. The wonk, now, a wonk... Well, I won't ruin your quote. But. I was about to say, quote, the Wonk of the Year honours individuals who demonstrate engagement, focus, intelligence and passion. Is there not something better they could have called it than the Wonk Award? Well, a Wonk, a wonk is a thing. It's a, it's a phrase. A, 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 a wonk is a phrase. Yeah, so a, a wonk, you, you talk about per public policy wonks who are kind of people who are at the peak of engagement. Wonkiness. So they're kind of the, they're the go-to. They are the wonks. That right. Very strange. I thought it was a very odd word. I just think it's a very Roald Dahl word. I mean, it's Willy Wonka, obviously. It is a little bit, yeah. It's a studious or hard-working person. Oh, there you go. Oh, excellent. Or, alternatively, Tom, it can also mean an incompetent sailor. Incompetent <laughs> Who knows sailor. which of those two camps Malala falls into? I suspect being from northern <laughs> Pakistan. Both? Probably <laughs> yeah. both, yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Tom. That's where you've got one upon one up Malala. You're a significantly better kayaker. 
two up, I got better GCSEs than that. Oh, that's true, yes. Which, considering uh, English is neither of your first languages. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the fact that I'm boasting about having better GCSEs. Nobody attempted to assassinate me, I must admit, during my school years. No. <laughs> no. So I probably had a slightly well, easier ride. All right, Either. yeah. One of, the, one of the popular kids at school, all right. <laughs> oh, you went to a posh school, didn't you? Nobody tried <laughs> to shoot you. Well, uh, over to you. How far through the recording are we? Oh, only an hour. Oh, good, good, and a full hour. Yeah, fifty-six minutes. It's all right. I'll abridge. We can get this down to an hour and ten. Just stop talking and let me. Get Let's this. get this over with. Let me get this. Let me get through this. He said to his wife. Well, Tom, speaking of. <laughs> oh, 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 you cad burble. Sorry. Yeah, thirty minutes of recording time wasted by me laughing heartily. <laughs> Sorry, I just pre-edited it by not doing it during the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of incompetent sailors, it's a pirate's life for me this week. Slick segue. Because I'm going to be talking about the swashbuckling, cross-dressing, mouth as sharp as a sword, pirate-loving sidekicks, Anne Bonny and uh, Mary Reed. Bonny and Reed. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Bonny and Reed. Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. And let me tell you, Tom, as two cross-dressing pirates, what a pair they hid, according to at least one of their victims' diaries. Is that right? They had a cracking pair of conkers. Well, yes, they did, yes. <laughs> but, a wonderful pair of wangers. By at least one. In fact, the only reputable account of their life. They had a fabulous pair of fun bags. They did indeed, yes. Uh, two memorable memories. Four memorable memories, in fact, as far as I'm aware. Not at all, nothing sexist about that, is there? The one and only reputable account of their life specifically references their breasts. <laughs> um, that's not why I've chosen this story, it's just an interesting aside. Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, the right-hand women to the infamous 18th century pirates Calico Jack. Who, Colour-coded uh, Jack, yes. Yes, colour-coded <laughs> Jack. <laughs> matchy matchy was his, was his motto. <laughs> With his good ship HMS colour wheel. <laughs> Blue and green should never be seen without yes. another colour in between, folks. Yeah. Welcome on board. The pastel pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so I've worked off a couple of sources this week, Tom. Namely, uh, Charles Johnson's A General History of the Robberies <laughs> and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates from 1724. Yes. His first, the first edition of this book is supposed to be fairly reliable, uh, but it sold so well that he decided he should write a second edition. So the second edition from 1728, uh, all of the good stories made edition one, and so 1728 version is absolute nonsense. All the trash that he didn't add in the first one. So it's basically like a B-sides yeah. album. Okay. Well, no, it's just made up. It's complete oh, right. pop fiction. Okay. Fair <laughs> So, uh, so most of what complete Marco Polo, yeah, absolutely, yes. So most of what we're going to hear today is, is is probably just a good story, but fuck it, it's fun. So sometime around seventeen hundred, we don't exactly know when Anne was born in Ireland. We're going to start with Anne, obviously. Her mum, Mary Brennan, was a maid to her dad, a guy called Bishop Brennan. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop. <laughs> kick him, kick him up the arse. <laughs> you kick Bishop Brennan up the arse. <laughs> Good, because we haven't had enough Father Ted references this week. They're the two best references, I think, quite possibly. <laughs> yes. So, yes, her mum, uh, Mary Bishop Brennan, was a housemaid to her dad, William Cormack, who's a wealthy lawyer. Um, they had an affair, obviously, and Anne's dad hid the birth of his illegitimate child from his wife and instead spirited the young Anne off to London from a young age, dressing her as a boy, calling her Andy, and... <laughs> 
I'm training her as a legal clerk. Sounds a bit like Lord Flashheart. <laughs> Woof, dress me as a boy and call me Andy. Sounds, like, sounds a bit like Bob. <laughs> well, did, no, we'll come on to that in a bit. <laughs> However, this, this pretty quickly fell apart and William's wife found out about Anne and cut him off from the family fortune, leaving him pretty much penniless. At this point, Mary and William eloped along with Anne to Carolina, where they once again made lots of money through law and trade. So he went and rebuilt his life with the with the woman who was once his maid. Anne was apparently a, a beauty who all of the boys wanted, but was a bit of a prick, Tom. Right. <laughs> and I feel bad, in a way, calling a small child a prick. <laughs> but there we go. At age 13, she stabbed one of the family servants. Okay. <laughs> in a bit of a rage. A few years later, in fact, not many years later, two or three years later, when her father kicked her out of the house for marrying a local small-time pirate, a guy called James Bonney. Small-time pirate? You just don't do it, you know, so, yeah. on the weekends. It's a side hustle, Tom. It's a side hustle. Yeah, just... I've only got a small ship. By day, I am the assistant to the regional manager... Of Barclays. ...of an insurance company. <laughs> yes. By weekend, I am an absolute pirate. And I don't mean pirate radio. Maybe it was pirate radio. Maybe back in time for Monday morning. Maybe though. he was just a... Sh- <laughs> yeah. So, yes, she ran off and married small-time pirate DJ of trance and uh, Ibiza house music, <laughs> James Bonney. <laughs> and her dad kicked her out of the house for this. She's rumoured, in response to this, to have burned down the family home on her way out. She strikes me a little bit as one of the Grady twins from The Shining. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to see her down a darkened corridor. Are they called the Grady twins? I think it's the Grady Twins. That's an incredible piece of film knowledge if you know the name of the twins from The Shining. Wow. Thanks. She and James fled to Nassau in the Bahamas, known as the Pirate Republic, and uh, famously a hotbed of piratical activity, possibly because of its name, the Pirate Republic, (laughs) which encouraged pirates to flock there. Or possibly it was called the Pirate Republic because of all the pirates. Frankly, Tom will never know. It's chicken and egg stuff, isn't it? It's lost to the sounds of time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, either way James pretty quickly turned mole for the government uh, dobbing in pirates who operated against British interests and getting several dozen of his colleagues arrested yeah absolutely no one likes a turncoat Anne thought this was a little distasteful at best after all swashbucklers have standards you dirty wet you dirty wet bastard in a huff she set out for the taverns of Nassau to find someone else to quote unquote fill her Davy Jones locker (laughs) and uh, and that (laughs) man And that man, Tom, was the famous British pirate Calico Jack Rackham, uh, so-called because of his calico-coloured coat, who she fairly quickly shacked up with before fleeing to sea with him as his right-hand man, bringing in the title neatly, to escape a charge of adultery, which would have seen her whipped. The two, along with uh, one other pirate, Mary Reed, stole a sloop from the harbour. Sloops are very small sailing ship. And useful for off. part-time pirates. Useful for part-time pirates. Yeah, it's a weekend pirate boat. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of thing you go out on to do a little bit of a little bit of raping and pillaging. Yeah, and when you, a little bit of yeah. fishing. And when you build up a bit of momentum with it, you can pack in your day job and then buy yourself a, a galleon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a practice. It's a practice boat. Useful for lakes and inlets. You know, nice little diving platform off the back. Calico Jack Anne and Mary Reed stole this little boat and sailed off for the high seas. Now. Here, Tom, is where it starts to get a little bit weird. You see, pirates were generally men. In fact, having a woman on board a pirate ship was considered very bad luck. And obviously, we know how superstitious pirates can be. (laughs) And so to fit in, these two started disguising themselves as blokes. And, in particular, a bloke who was sharing the captain's cabin... (laughs) 
The captain, who, by the way, kept on shivering her timbers and occasionally scrubbing her poop deck. Which... I say, I say, I say. Which... I say, I say. Which is obviously fine, but this is the 18th century and expectations were somewhat different, i.e. pirate captains shouldn't be shagging other pirates. Still, Tom, it must have been love because the two seemed quite inseparable in the eyes of the crew, even when Calico Jack's new cannon fodder started to gain quite a lot of weight. <laughs> you know, catch a nice captain, let herself go. Let himself go. Um, yes, Tom, Anne was pregnant. Ah. Uh, yes. So they couldn't keep the secret up for long, and so the crew sailed for Cuba, where Anne popped ashore to pop out a son. Now, we'll come back to Anne in a moment because we need to talk about Mary Reed, who had a pretty interesting childhood herself. She was born in England in 1685 out of a relationship between her mother and some random bloke that she shacked up with after her husband was lost at sea. This would have been absolutely fine, except her oldest child, Mary's half-brother, was due to inherit their missing dad's insurance and estate and a lot of support from his grandmother. He too had just died. Right. So dad has died, lost at sea, and the son has yeah, just died as well. Okay. Leaving yeah, leaving Mary's mother royally screwed. She wasn't going to get any insurance money or support from her Quick, son's grandmother. Wear this fake beard. Yes, Tom. That's exactly yeah. what she did. She dressed up the baby Mary as her son and raised her that way to the outside world for the first few years of her life. So as far as anyone was concerned, this young girl was actually a young boy. It was essentially an insurance fraud. But she got away with oh it. I mean, it worked. Mary herself realised that dressing as a boy could lead to a world of adventure. You know, it, the world was a lot more fun when you were a bloke. <laughs> Still probably is to some extent. Yeah. Um, less flower arranging. <laughs> well, I mean, less, less rampant sexism. Yeah. <laughs> more money boring for doing the same things, job. Boring expectations. You could be a pirate. Yeah. To be fair, Tom, she, she started off by joining the British Army. So she did go and seek a world of swashbuckling and adventure where she convinced everyone that she was a strapping lad and actually did very well in battle during the War of Spanish Succession, fighting alongside the Dutch, during which she fell in love with a Dutch officer, presumably spending plenty of time polishing his musket whilst he practised rearguard actions, and uh, occasionally, if he was feeling polite, giving her a flanking manoeuvre. They (laughs) did get... (laughs) I've I've had my fun with this script. They did get married, much to the confusion of their fellow soldiers, who were still pretty convinced that Mary was a boy. <laughs> she quit the army and bought a pub. When her husband died pretty <laughs> shortly afterwards... Adams, was she a fucking 80s, an 80s footballer? Oh, what, buying a pub? Seen enough action, going to retire, buy a pub. Right, that's a niche reference by our standards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when, when her husband died, she once again dragged up, put on her finest fake beard <laughs> and joined the army again, but pretty quickly got bored and instead headed for the Caribbean and a bit more adventure where she met Calico Jack and Anne Bonny, neither of whom knew that she was a woman. She only revealed herself when Jack became jealous of her supposed advances on Anne, and uh, she had to perform the big reveal and whip off her beard. And- <laughs> oh, whip off your beard. <laughs> Got you. Beard. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what I thought was going to happen. Off with the beard. <laughs> yep. Yep. Totally where my yep. mind was going. Yep. <laughs> off with that beard. Oh, it's a lady. Yes, totally. just take off that yep. Beard. Yeah, beard comes <laughs> off. I yeah. was not going down a carry-on route in my head at all. <laughs> no, Barbara Windsor couldn't have been further from your imagination. <laughs> who? Barbara who? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yes, she had to perform the big reveal. And basically, yes, puff her cheeks out so the beard pinged off. <laughs> <laughs> Boing. 
or risk getting into a brawl with their pirate captain. So basically, Jack any was about to. Females present on this ship? No, 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 we're no, all pirate boys. <laughs> So yes, she had to she had to reveal her secret in order to avoid getting into a fist fight with uh, Jack Calico. Although it's rumored that actually Anna Mary did have a bit of a thing going on in the background, all of which must have been a very 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 confusing love triangle for the rest of the crew, who were still convinced that all three of them were blokes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Tom, it wasn't even a very good disguise because one of their victims, Dorothy Thomas, wrote of the pair in her diary. Uh, she was a, a prisoner on their ship for, for a while. She was ransomed off. Wrote of the pair that they wore men's jackets and long trousers and handkerchiefs tied about their heads. And each of them had a machete and a pistol in their hands and they cursed and swore at the men to murder me. Before adding, quote, she knew that they were women from the start due to the largeness of their breasts. <laughs> <laughs> so quite how they squeeze that part, quote unquote, squeeze that past the crew, I've no idea. <laughs> Arr, matey, what's your chest routine? How do you get those impressive pecs when the ship Jim only has a few dumbbells and a treadmill? Although, yar, I can't complain, Tom, I can't complain. Because I'll be damned if the morning Pilates session on the main deck doesn't make me feel alive. <laughs> and Zumba Tuesdays really are the highlight of my week. You missed an opportunity there for the morning Pirates session. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, what with all the uh, babies popping out and, and boobies popping out, the rest of the crew did notice. <laughs> and uh, the pair were eventually allowed free to uh, remove their comedy joke shop moustaches although they did put them on again whenever there was a scrap or they boarded an enemy ship they did dress up as men again all of this looting and they were quite successful pirates they captured several ships and all of this looting got them noticed by the governor and Nassau who declared Calico Jack and his crew wanted pirates and on November 15th 1720 the pirates completely seriously were having a house party <laughs> in which they'd invited a fellow crew on board to get absolutely wankered at Negril Point off the coast of Jamaica Sausage Fest Sausage Fest oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah I'd imagine the ship's PA system blasting out if you like pina coladas <laughs> Whilst they were absolutely mullered on the deck, singing uh, sea shanties... And, Her name is Rio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And she dances on the sand. A crew of bounty hunters led by Captain Jonathan Barnett snuck up on the ship uh, before knocking down its sails with a volley of cannon fire, sending the pissed pirates and their guests scurrying for cover. Show us your bounty. Our other chocolate snacks were not that fussy, yes. but we prefer bounties. Yes, <laughs> we are bounty hunters and small Malteser acceptors. But you'll never, never catch us going after Milky Way. <laughs> that is a very niche British joke about a chocolate selection box. <laughs> so the crew were absolutely hammered and hid below deck, being sick and uh, rubbing their heads. <laughs> The only people who stayed on deck, one pirate stayed on deck, presumably the one who was detoxing ahead of the Pilates session the next day. <laughs> Anne and Mary stayed on deck <laughs> and held off this attack for a pro about half an hour, it's rumoured. They held the ship against these bounty hunters for half an hour. Mary, at one point, got so pissed with the crewmates hiding in the hold and cowering that she shot through the decks and killed one of them to try and get them to come out and do some kind of fighting. The response of Reply which, by Calico Jack and his crewmates, <laughs> was to just surrender. <laughs> Clearly they were going to get shot one way or the other, 
by their own crew or by the bounty hunters, so they just gave up and came out without a fight. They were captured. Most of them were pretty quickly hung at a show trial just a few days later, uh, including Calico Jack, who was uh, it was a kangaroo court. He went in, entered a plea, was hung pretty much on the spot. To which Anne responded that um, if you, Jack, had fought like a man, you needn't have been hanged like a dog. So, uh, so not the nicest end to their relationship and uh, her uh, role as his right-hand man. Anne and Mary both pleaded mercy from the court because they were both pregnant at the time. And so they were jailed instead, at least until they'd had their kids, at which point they would have been hung. Not the kids. <laughs> Much clemency, the but they... Parents. Just the parents, yeah, yeah. yeah, just the parents. Mary actually died of a fever in prison very shortly afterwards. But Anne vanished from the records, Tom, never to be seen again. And it's rumoured that her father... <laughs> Based on how shit they were at spotting females, she probably didn't yes. care. Watch this. <clears throat> I put on a pair of spectacles and I turn into Clark Kent. Excuse me, I appear to have been locked Kent? in here. <laughs> are you Clark Kent? Why, yes, I am. What are you doing here? Out you come. Thank you. There's been a horrible misunderstanding. Yes. Now I'll be on my way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know how this has happened. <laughs> well, apparently, because there's various stories, none of which are particularly believable about what happened. One of which is that she poisoned the guards and stole their uniform and walked out dressed as a guard. Mm, that old egg. Yep. <laughs> and the most common one is that... So the most common story is that her father, famous lawyer by this point in the Americas, heard what had happened, basically bribed her out of jail, and she was allowed to escape overnight and return to Carolina, where she remarried and lived a rather more peaceful life, only occasionally burning down her dad's house... But we'll never know, Tom. So there you go. Anne Bonny and uh, Mary Reed, the right-hand women to Calico Jack. Color-coded Jack. It does sound a little bit made up, I must admit. I I can see where you're coming from. It's still very much historical, though. Almost certainly, yeah. It's a made-up story from the 1720s. I mean, I've just come up with a load of made-up stories. No, absolutely, but uh, yes. The two women did exist, so uh, they were both jailed rather than hung. And Calico Jack existed and was hung. The end part of the story, jailing and death, did happen. The beginning of the story, their birth, by extension, probably happened. The bit in the middle, who knows. Very good. We do have a topic for our patrons episode next week. What was that going to be? It's Lost Locations. Yes, that's a good suggestion. That's a cracking suggestion. Yes, I think uh, as a patron suggestion, we'll do it as a patron exclusive next week. Right. I look forward Ah. to that one. I think that's going to be a good topic. How about that? I think it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Should we should we tease with what we're doing two weeks time? Yes. What do you fancy doing in two what weeks did we time? Say at the start, left-handed people. Do you want to do left-handed people? Lefties. Okay. Okay. Left-handed. Famous it is. lefties. He says with he says with some trepidation. <laughs> yeah. Marvelous. Well, join us in two weeks time if you're not a patron for a sinister episode. Is uh, left-handed in Latin. And next week, if you are a patron, you can hear our special delve into lost places. And if you want to become a patron and hear that episode, you can. You can go to um, thatwasgeniuspodcast.com, where you'll find a link to our Patreon. Or you can go straight to patreon.com slash thatwasgenius. And if you just want to get in touch, let us know how you're doing. Any episode suggestions, whatever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for That Was Genius. Or you can email us. That was geniuscast at gmail.com. Right, do you want to say goodbye, Tom? I would love to say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye from me.